Welcome to another episode of the View Charlotte podcast. My name is Jeremy Orden, one of the partners with the Orden Ryder Group at Allen Tate Realtors. The purpose of the View Charlotte podcast is to help educate our audience to both the real estate market and our Charlotte metropolitan market, while also providing valuable information about our city from an entertainment and economic viewpoint. Each week, we'll delve into a topic that involves Charlotte to gain a deeper understanding of either the real estate market or life in Charlotte. Our mission has always been to educate our clients to the real estate market so they can make the best decisions for their family. And hopefully these weekly podcast installments will help to deliver on that mission. Thank you for joining us. Let's get started. For this week's episode, I'm joined again by one of my most trusted partners in the real estate business, Miss Lindsay Goings of Movement Mortgage. Today's topic will begin a series of conversations with Lindsay focused on educating our audience to the nuances of the buying process. Lindsay is known not only for her great personality, but also her extreme attention to detail and deep caring and understanding for her clients. After working with hundreds of my team's clients over the years, I can honestly say that I trust her so deeply that I'm not just a partner of hers, but also a client. Lindsay, welcome back to the podcast. Hey, Jeremy, thanks for having me. How does it feel to be back in the hot seat? I'm back. Nice. So, feels great. So I didn't make it such a miserable process last time that you swore off ever coming back. No, I really enjoyed it. I um, enjoy your questions. You always have very uh, deep probing, make me think questions. Well, that's what we're going to be doing. And, you know, since this is going to be that first part in the multifaceted, you know, series of conversations, I thought it would be fun to start this off with our list of the top 10 myths and misconceptions. I'm going to butcher saying that, you know, myths and misconceptions <laughs> um, that we run to on a daily basis. So what do you think of a top 10 topic to kick this series off? I think it sounds great. I'm ready. Okay. So what we're going to do is I'm going to throw out a myth or misconception that people talk with me about, and then I'm going to give you the opportunity to share the truth because you're the expert. Sound like a plan? Sounds good. Okay. So number one, getting pre-approved will hurt my credit. OMG, I'm so glad you started with this. I hear this all the time. You know, if you are wanting to buy a home, you have to get pre-approved. One credit check from one lender um, can affect your credit two to three points, but then you have a 30-day window to shop lenders and get another quote, um, and it only counts as one mortgage inquiry. So that is a myth. If you want to buy a home, you need to get pre-approved. If you cannot pay cash for a house, you have to get pre-approved up front. So the pre-approval process, pretty simple and straightforward, right? Oh, yeah. You just enter your information on my website. I get back with you within 24 hours, and then we go through all your information. If there's something you need to work on, I'll tell you what to work on. I'll tell you payments, loan programs, money out of pocket. So then you're actually prepared to buy the home. Awesome. Let's move on to myth number two. I am too early in the process to get a pre-approval. I'm just looking at houses. Well, like I said before, unless you're paying cash, you need to get a pre-approval. A lot of times, and I will have fabulous buyers who, you know, didn't know that a medical collection hit their credit or, you know, someone didn't know what a payment was going to be. So they start off by looking at homes that are 
500,000, but their budget is really 375. And now they've been, you know, falling in love with a higher price home because of course it's going to be nicer if it's a hundred grand more. So really, even if you're thinking about buying in one to two years, now's the time to start. I'm going to tell you payments. I'm going to tell you money out of pocket. So then if you need to save up, we can talk about a budget, how much you need to save up to be ready when you're ready. I like that. The other thing that came to my mind with this one is also knowing about people who might be 1099 versus salary. Exactly. So different types of pay is counted differently. And what we're really seeing a trend in now in the last four to six months is higher hourly wages with no benefits. So no PTO, um, no health insurance, which we don't care about that, but the the hourly not working 40 hours a week is really hurting me on a lot of buyers. We need a two-year history um, for an FHA loan. Sometimes for conventional, we can get away with 12 months. Sometimes for FHA, we can get away with 12 months, but it's very difficult. And I am having a lot of problems right now on variable pay. And then like you said, you know, a 1099 means you're technically self-employed. You're responsible for paying your own taxes. So that's a two-year history on your tax returns for me to use that income. So let's go ahead and look at those tax returns now. See what you've been claiming because, of course, you probably aren't claiming enough because who wants to pay money um, in income tax to the IRS? But then I can help you out with, hey, what around what income you should be making to qualify for the house you want. Number three. This is the one that I keep running into with clients lately, and it's, I have a low interest rate on my home now, so it's better for me to stay in this house than it is to buy something that better serves my needs at a higher rate. You know, I hear this a lot too. Interest rates are very fickle. In my career of 16 years, I've seen them up, I've seen them down, I've seen them up, I've seen them down. It, it, it is always a cyclical cycle and they will come back down. So basically what you're saying is, I'm going to stay in my house, I'm going to keep my low rate even though I'm not happy. And then in my mind, when rates drop, I'm going to go buy another house. Well, home values are not going down. Inventory is limited and as soon as rates go down more, the market is going to fill up with all these buyers waiting on the sideline that are doing just what you're thinking. You actually have more buying power now in a higher interest rate environment with the seller to go in and buy a home now, get it for an okay price. Maybe they'll pay some closing cost. Then you sell your home or keep it as a rental. Keep your low rate. You only have to put down 5% and we can use rent to offset your current mortgage payment. And then um, when the rates drop, you can refinance versus waiting for the rates to drop, buying at a higher price than you can get the house for now because values are going to continue to go up. And then you're paying more on your monthly payment than you would. It's only, you know, you're only going to be in a higher rate for a short amount of time. 12 to 24 months is what I think. This is another one that I put in because it's something that I keep hearing from clients lately. I was promised a low rate and let's just insert on this random website. What is the myth about rate quotes on these random websites? I am so glad that you're bringing this to everyone's attention, Jeremy. You know, I could go and work and do mortgages anywhere. I could go and work for the cheapest rate shop in town, and then I am not gonna be happy with the service. If you are packing up your home 
and it's the day before closing and you're ready to move in, you don't have your final number and I'm asking you for more documents like bank statements, pay subs, or letters of explanation, you're going to be furious. You've packed your computer up. You don't have your printer out. Like you don't want to deal with it. So closing alone on time is so important to me. It creates such a domino impact and effect if we do not close on time. It is horrible. I hate not closing on time. It's the worst. It involves so many people, movers, moving trucks, where are you going to live, hotels, uh, whoever uh, the seller is of the house has issues. So, you know, okay, can you go get a 0.25 or a 0.125% lower rate from Mirando Schmando online? Yeah, go for it. Nobody knows who they are. You don't have their cell phone like you have mine. Jeremy knows where I live. Like we, we're not going to hide from you. If something's going wrong, we're going to work with you and get work through any issues. So for me, I know my underwriter. I know my processors. I know my process. I've been at Movement for 10 years, and that's why I'm there. I'm not leaving. I get um, recruited every day. I'm not going to go somewhere for a cheaper rate. If you want a cheaper rate, then you can go and get the cheaper service. It's, it's the exact same thought process of like, where you may buy a piece of furniture. Well, how long is it going to last? Like there's a reason why something costs a little bit more. And when we say little, I am very competitive. Movement Mortgage has had number one market share in Charlotte, in the uh, greater Charlotte area. We're number six lender in the entire country. And we're in all 50 states. And we get there by growth, by having competitive interest rates. I think for me, one of the big things that I've been seeing with clients who have found like some of these extremely low rates online is that by the time they go through the process and normally by the time we get to like their final disclosures, those rates are either including tens of thousands of dollars worth of buy downs or the rate just vanished. And they're like, oh, well, that was the rate when you saw the advertisement online, but it's no longer the rate today. What are your thoughts as far as like some of this bait and switch advertising that we're seeing. I always tell people, did you get the quote in writing? Because it's going to show us all the numbers. Like I just had this happen um, to me where, you know, someone is quoting a rate that is like significantly lower than mine. I'm like, there's no way that there's no cost to this. Like there's, there's something going on because all lenders are kind of at the same starting point. You know what I'm saying? Movement pays more for our processing because my processors only have 20 loans in their pipeline so that they can give it the, uh, give your loan the attention that it deserves you know, my I always tell people, get the quote, send it to me. I'll look at it with you. We'll go over it. If they're better, then I'll tell you to go and use them. And if something happens, I'll be more than happy to help them pick it up and close on time still. I really, really like that. Okay, myth number five, rates will go down in the future. So we know that they are going to go down. It's just a matter of when. I mean, I do think that we've hit the ceiling of high rates. There's a lot of instability now in the market with the debt ceiling. You know, I I do believe that um, our government will come through and raise the debt ceiling. I think rates are have a lot of pressure on them, you know, in the last week because of the debt ceiling. So we've seen them tick back up. We were at probably our highest um in November, beginning of November of 2022, and then again, you know, a couple months ago, maybe March or something, where we were a 
7.5% on a rate. Um, we've seen rates go down at least a point or, or point and a half. You know, we were locking in the high fives um, within the last few months, but it's just extremely up and down. My advice, if you're closing in the next 45 to 60 days to lock it in, I do think rates will come down some over the summer. As inflation comes down, rates will come down. But, you know, the thing is this. Buying a home is to satisfy a need for a you know, you to habitate, you know, you need to live in a home and renting is a hundred percent interest rate. So, you know, don't let higher rates be helping you to make a fear-based decision. Fear-based decisions are always bad. Let's get to facts. I deal in facts. So let's see what we can qualify you for, what the payment is. I'll go through your debts with you. We'll come up with some creative ways to make a little bit of room in your budget so that you can afford the slightly higher payment, three to $500 more a month than you want to pay. So that way we can set your price by going under contract now and refinancing around 4% in the next two years. And then you'll, you'll have the payment that you want. I just had the same conversation with the buyer last week. I said, listen, I know the payment's higher than you want. I know it's going to be a little tough for you for a year or two, but we know you can do it. We've just gone through your budget. We're paying off credit cards instead of putting more money down because for every thousand dollars that you put down, it's only lowering your mortgage $7. So him paying off his $5,000 worth of credit card debt would only save him $35 on a mortgage payment. So now he has no other debt but the house payment and he can knows that he can afford it until we can refi. Myth number six. Service does not matter because the lender is going to sell my loan in the future. Well, I really, you know, you I couldn't have had you walk into this question any better, Jeremy. See, I, I'm trying to be like a good host and set you up, but oh, this is setup. something that comes up again and again, especially with some of these random online lenders where people are like, it's a terrible service, it's a terrible process, but it doesn't matter because they're going to sell my loan, so I'm only dealing with this pain point for like 30 days. You know, Movement Mortgage services the loan, so you will pay us after closing, and I can help with any questions that you have, um, get you the answers that you need. You know, servicing is so awesome because um, we want you to be our client for life. So, you know, the fact that people can say service doesn't matter when it's the most important and largest purchase you'll ever make is, like, mind-blowing to me. I feel like, you know, this is another new thing thing or myth that's coming up like AI is going to replace loan officers I'm like yeah right the the conversations that I have are so personal about people's credit income and debt I mean like you're not having those conversations with anyone else but maybe your spouse or maybe asking a family member for advice but you're probably really not telling them the truth and I know all the truth so when I'm talking to you I am like giving you the best of all of my years of experience of finance and helping you with the most critical purchase you'll ever make. So if you don't care about service, then I'm not your girl because I'm here for the client experience. I love that so much. All right, number seven. This is another one that I continue to run into. And it's people telling me that I have credit problems and some debt, so I don't need to speak with a loan officer today. Well, that's exactly why you should speak to a loan officer today. Um, when, you know, I am going to be here. You do not have to have perfect credit to buy a home. It's actually the easiest loan to qualify for. 
if you think about it, because it has the best collateral attached to the loan, is a home that increases in value. So we want to help you get into that debt um, because there's, you know, a lender knows that you're going to do everything you can to pay your mortgage. So, you know, my company goes down to a 580 minimum credit score. We have expanded ratios on programs. Um, we have solutions that are out there and creative solutions to help you be able to fit into the guidelines. I also know that you personally have worked with a number of my clients in the past and come up with that game plan in order to help them be qualified. I mean, it, it might be something that might take three or six or 12 months, but having that conversation with you on the front end gives them the direction that they need to go in in order to be able to purchase in the future. Yeah, exactly. I never tell a buyer no. I tell them a plan. So if I can't get you into a home now, I would say the number one issue that I have right now is debt to income ratios and then the person having their own down payment. So most people, what we're doing is is helping them come up with, hey, how can you save up money? This is what you should do. You need to save up, you know, $500 a month, or, you know, whatever your budget allows. And then in X amount of months, we'll have what we need. The next one is one that I inserted 100% for me because it's something that I'm having this conversation constantly, especially on the listing side. And that's that I have a low interest rate on my house. Can't a buyer just assume my rate to help incentivize them to buy my house? Yeah, so that is a great question. Um, Some loans are assumable, like a government loan, which is VA and FHA. Um, But you know, the buyer would have to come up with a difference. So let's say that you owe $175,000 on your, your mortgage, and but you're selling your home for three hundred. So that buyer would have to pay the $125,000 difference for you to make that profit. They're not lending up to the current value of the home. So that would be the hardest part about a, a loan that is assumable. But um, yes, there are loans that are assumable, but a conventional loan like a Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac is not assumable. The fact that you brought up that the buyer has to pay that differential, I think, is the most important part. You know, not to go off on a crazy Jeremy tangent, but we had a property that, you know, the buyer purchased not that long ago. We're selling it. You know, we had multiple people that reached out to us about the assumable nature of it. And almost every single one of those offers fell apart simply because the house has appreciated. And now we're having to deal with a buyer coming up with the money in order to bridge that gap in order to complete the assumable process. It's a lot more difficult than I think people anticipate when they hear, oh, your loan is going to be assumable. Yeah, exactly. All right, we're moving into the home stretch here. Number nine, the mortgage process is painful with with lenders constantly asking for more documents. Yeah, you know, um, we, I pre-underwrite the loan up front. So I'm reviewing your income, your credit, And then when we submit the loan to underwriting, it goes right from me to an underwriter. And then we ask you for the underwriting conditions up front. So we try to avoid the last minute documentation, but sometimes it can come up. You know, loans are complicated. They're highly documented. Ever since the financial crisis of 2008, we've moved to like an extreme documentation standpoint on loans because there were so many loans done that were not documented at all. No income, no assets lower credit scores you could state your income it was terrible and people would have like no they would make no mortgage payment right so it was just such a terrible experience that the whole you know world's economy went through back then that we are documenting loans and you know 
jumbo loans, like loans that are over $726,200, are going to be even more documented. And you would think that, oh, I have more money and my credit is very good. Why You don't really need all this stuff from me, but they are more heavily documented than a regular loan is. All right. I would just say on that point, Send it in. It's not going to last forever. We're going to be nice. We're going to be fast. We're going to review it fast. So it's going to be easier with me than anywhere else. But, you know, just grin and bear it. Don't fight the processor. It'll, you'll make it worse for yourself. Don't fight the processor should be your news like loan <laughs> slogan. <laughs> We're on your team. All right. Number 10. And this one is like ripped right from the headlines. And this I wanted to almost do an entire episode on. So I'm just going to lean back and let you talk about this because I think this is something that has gotten so much media attention and it has really altered the way that some people are looking at the loan process right now. And that is this concept that's out there online that people with better credit are going to be paying more for a loan than people with poor credit. Can you talk about this? Yeah, so you know like how we always joke around and say, oh, the news loves a negative story or only negativity sells in the news because that's how we all are. We don't want positive news or as a consumer of news. You know, it's funny when you're actually in that subject that they're talking about and you know what they're saying is not true and how they're spinning it is absolutely ridiculous. So basically all loans have LLPAs, Loan Level Pricing Adjustments. So based on your down payment, based on the loan program, and based on credit score, they were even adding like debt-to-income ratio requirements, but they took that away, thank goodness. Um, but So based on credit, down payment, and loan program, you're going to have an add-on for your rate. So everybody's had add-ons. Like this is not a new concept. Loan Level Pricing Adjustments have been around forever. So previously... There were certain loan level pricing adjustments for certain credit scores. And what has changed is, is that the loan level pricing adjustments for lower credit scores, like 620, 640, on a conventional loan only, this only applies to conventional loans, what they've changed, um, doesn't have as large of an add-on. So no one's having to pay for that. It's how the loan is priced out because those loans perform well. You even To even get a conventional loan with a lower credit score like that, you have to have money down. Most of these people have more than 20% down that are doing those credit scores. Otherwise, we're going to go FHA every single time. So then credit scores like 700 to 759, let's say, had a certain add-on. And it, was, it used to be based on tw- every 20 points. So now that field of credit scores there their add-on may be a little higher. And when I say a little higher, I mean like you might be getting 0.125% or 0.25% higher interest rate than you were previously. But you still have a lot better interest rate than someone with a 660, a 680, a 640 because you have a better credit score. So no one with a higher credit score is getting a lower or getting a higher rate than someone with a lower credit score. It's just the add-on is different. And if you think about it, and this is where like I'll probably will differ. And, you know, I think when I thought about this question, what should I really say? You know, people have different histories of how they were taught about credit. Most of the time, parents teach credit. So if your parents, unfortunately, didn't pass on the importance of paying bills on time, you literally could have an 800 credit score 
and have one collection, like you moved and you didn't give a forwarding address and you did and you were paying your electric bill in arrears and you have a $43 electric bill hit your credit, your credit score will go down 100 points. And then if you pay that collection, they don't automatically remove it. It will stay on your credit for seven years. So, you know, someone who has a lower credit score could have had a medical issue and they weren't able to pay all their medical bills at that time and have three collections and they got a 620 credit score over three medical collections. So, you know, let's let's just think about it like this. If we're all in this collectively, we're all human beings, like no one... I'm not saying that anyone with a higher credit score should pay for someone else's interest rate, and that's not what's happening. It is just shortening the gap a small amount. It is not like a huge amount. And these numbers that you see on the news where it says like 1.75, well, the LLPA was already one and a half. So the 1.75 isn't the delta. You know what I'm saying? It's just the new LLPA. Does that make sense? It makes so much sense, and I'm so glad that you broke it down with those examples because I think people are seeing the headlines and they're saying, why, when I've paid my bills on time, am I paying more when people are paying less? Like, I even saw this on, like, a dad's Facebook group where somebody was complaining about it, and it really took, like, six loan officers chiming in to try to explain the fallacy to them, but they're just being fed this constant news feed that's saying that they need to pay more because they have better credit. I think that people really can have, you know, it's like when you when you get a phone call and you know the Lord tells us not to gossip, but you know, they call you up and they say, did you hear about such and such? And it's like such a scandalous thing. That's what this is. And scandal, scandalous news sells, and that's what this is. Like, of course, nobody with a higher credit. Actually, 780 and 800 scores are getting even better than they were before. So let's pay all your credit cards down and have the highest credit score you possibly can, and you'll get a better rate. This will actually help those with stellar credit. But, you know, I go through everyone's credit with them when I talk to them. If I can get you from a 720 to a 740 to help get you a 0.125% lower rate, I'm going to do that. So I'm going to get you to the best possible credit score that you can be at within your means. And um, we're going to get you the best rate. And a lot of times it really isn't that different. Really, inflation is what is hurting interest rates, not this LLPA change. Lindsay, as always, you explain things so well i i cannot thank you enough for being here and for agreeing to kick off like this entire ongoing series about the mortgage process i mean your knowledge is you know everything about this industry so like that's why you're like my trusted advisor when it comes to all of this i i can't thank you enough for being here was it you're welcome was it as painful as you remembered from the last time um, you know, it was even better this time. You just went deeper than I ever thought. I'm going let's move on with that one. So thank you so much to Lindsay for joining us for today. <laughs> Thanks for having me. I think our audience is really going to take away a lot and being able to clear up some of these myths and misconceptions. And amazingly, I was able to get through this entire recording without butchering the phrase myths and misconceptions to our audience try saying that three times fast 
<laughs> Thank you to our audience for joining us. We'll be back next week with another episode. And then the week after, Lindsay will rejoin me. And we're going to get into an in-depth conversation on what pre-approval versus pre-qualified means. Thanks so much for joining us. We'll be back next week on the View Charlotte Real Estate and Entertainment Podcast. Thank you.